0: Here's Dr. Ruth with today's teaching. Welcome. Okay, we are almost halfway through the book of Numbers. I am really excited about this book. It is uh, indeed a very fascinating study. Boy, Taya, there is a lot of rich knowledge we can learn about the Lord from the Old Testament. So I'm very glad you are listening and you are learning a lot. So let us begin here with uh, Numbers chapter 15. The gist of this chapter is that the Lord uh, would teach the Israelites through Moses about uh, certain supplementary offerings. This is in addition to what he had already taught them in preceding chapters Uh, As we have already discussed, the Lord would uh, give further ordinances about uh, various other types of offerings for unintentional sins and for willful transgressions of his laws. Remember, I had mentioned earlier, even in the book of Leviticus, that there are uh, sins of omission and commission. Omission, that is when you omit to uh, do something which is in accordance with God's law. And commission is when a person willfully disobey God. So the Lord will give some instructions about the various offerings and sacrifices that the Israelites would bring to the tent of meeting uh, depending on their sins, i.e. omission or commission. And remember, like I said earlier, to God, sin is sin. He doesn't categorize sin. So even if it's a sin of omission, meaning unintentionally, there are still consequences. Uh, obviously, if uh, it is a sin of commission or intentionally sinning against God or what some people say transgression against God's law, there has, there are also consequences, and today for New Testament believers, like I have said throughout, the 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 um, consequence is really a a separation of fellowship with God, even today. And the solution is simple: a genuine, heartfelt repentance, stopping practicing the sin, and restoring fellowship with God and the blood of Jesus Christ would cleanse us if we are honestly remorseful and confess our sins. So let's take a look at some of these bond offerings that the Lord asked the Israelites to bring to him. Okay, let's take a closer look at verse 1, Numbers chapter 15. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, After you enter the land, I am giving you as a home and you present to the Lord food offerings from the herd or the flock as an aroma pleasing to the Lord. Again, just meaning that once you get into the promised land, you bring your offerings and accept them. Whether burnt offering uh, or freewill offerings or even um, grain offering, he went on to give specific instructions how all of those have to be prepared. We have gone over all of these. It's the same a consistent pattern, a perfect lamp, the, burst, uh, the best, rather, grain, and a free will offering out of a genuine heart. And you can read all those verses on your own. Let's come to verse 8. When you prepare a young bull as a bond offering or sacrifice for, for a special vow or free will offering to the Lord, bring with the bull a grain offering. We've talked about the same principle there. The perfect animal and the best of the offering. Uh, that is all highlighting, reiterating what he had already explained to them, but just uh, reiterating to them before they get into the promised land. And, you know, I think this is a place for me to say this. If you have noticed, a lot of these uh, chapters and verses, especially uh, the last three books, Exodus, Leviticus, and now Numbers, they are repeating the same information over and over. That is not an error. (laughs) Even in the New Testament, the Gospels are full of repetitions. That is not an error. When the Lord is telling us something over and over and over and over, he means business. He wants us to really get it. God, God doesn't waste effort. God doesn't waste his time. So these may seem repetitious to some of you, but they are here for a reason. Of course, common sense tells us if we hear something over and over and over again, then it takes deep root into our souls. So we see the Lord repeating the same thing to the Israelites over and over. This is no accident. So uh, he really wants them to get this straight, just like he is telling us today. When he repeats his laws, do not sin. Do not have idols. Okay, confess your sin. Uh, Obey me. Uh, abide in Christ when we are hearing the same thing over and over because God is telling us over and over that this is good for us and he has given us a free will so he is just telling us over and over so we truly pause and say you know what God is serious and he is serious that's how much he loves us that he would repeat things over and over so we can get it straight okay so keep that in mind now, um, you can read all of those verses. Come to verse uh, 13. Everyone who is native-born must do these things in this way when they present a food offering as an aroma pleasing to the Lord. Verse 14, it is just saying that for the generations to come, even a foreigner or an- anyone else living among uh, the Israelites should still adhere to the same ordinances. We had explained this earlier, how even if you have a stranger who is an unbeliever living with you in the same household, you should never, never compromise on adhering to God's laws because a stranger or, or a foreigner doesn't want to do it. You should be the example to practice practice God's laws in front of a stranger or foreigner. And in fact, um, Give them the opportunity to actually know Christ. So this is the same concept here. The same principle that even if a foreigner is living among the Israelites, they still have to carry out these ordinances, okay? So again, like I said, likewise, uh, the unbelievers who are around us, uh, we should take that opportunity to teach them the gospel of Christ and live a life worthy as Christians and I share the gospel with them and ask, ask them to partake in our um, offerings and quiet moments spent with the Lord and thereby uh, we can evangelize and teach them about the Lord. And hopefully they would accept Christ. Okay, so we come to verse 17. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, When you enter the land to which I am taking you, and you eat the food of the the land, present a portion as an offering to the Lord. Again, reiterating uh, that God... uh, wants them to acknowledge him as their provider, just like he wants us to give him a portion of our earnings because he truly is our provider. We had talked about that over and over. And the rest of those verses just went on to say that the rest of the generations of the Israelites would adhere to these ordinances. Okay, now let's take a look at um, this... Verses 22 all the way to 26 will teach us about the uh, supplemental or additional uh, offerings or sacrifices that the Lord would ask the Israelites to bring to him if they um, unintentionally sin, okay, or if they uh, practice a sin of omission. Let's take a closer look at this. Now, if you as a community unintentionally fail to keep any of these commands the Lord gave Moses, verse 23, uh, any of the Lord's commands to you through him from the day the Lord gave them and continuing through the generations to come. uh, And then he went on to explain that these are the sacrifices that they have to make in order to atone for their uh, sins of omission. And as you read down these verses, they have to present a bond offering, okay, a drink offering, a grain offering. All of that has to be presented to the priest. That is stated there in verse 25. And then the priest is to inspect the offering in accordance with God's law, like we have discussed before. And then he has to offer their sacrifices to the Lord. And the uh, uh, in verse 26, the whole Israelite community and the foreigners residing among them will be forgiven because all the people were involved in the unintentional wrong. So what these verses are teaching us is if the community, the entire community, in addition to a foreigner, uh, commits a, Seen by omission or unintentionally, these are the sacrifices that they have to bring. Like I said, the the, uh, grain offering, the drink offering, the bond offering, they present that to the priests who would uh, make atonement on their behalf. This is really amazing. I mean, God is, wow, again, highlighting God's holiness. You see, God is so holy that even when people commit sins of omission or unintentional sins, God still expects them to be cleansed before fellowship with him can be restored. Boy, that is still the same today. Okay? You see, today we can commit sins unknowingly. Like I used the example before, you could go by a homeless person and you do not even acknowledge them. Granted, you may not have money to give them or food to give them, but you have the word of God which can bring hope. You can smile. You can give them a hug. You can just tell them that God loves them, even if they don't accept, but at least you you pause to acknowledge them. If you don't do that and you are just so involved with your own problems, you've just sinned against God. God takes those things seriously. But as New Testament believers who are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, we have the blessing that the blood of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer and Savior, continuously cleanses us from these unintentional sins that we commit without even knowing it. Isn't that something enough to say hallelujah? We are told this out of 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. I mean, as we walk with the Lord, as we obey God's decrees in His Word, and as we are honest with the Lord, the blood of Jesus continuously is cleansing us from all wrong and from all unintentional sin. So, really, you may not even know that you've sinned unintentionally against God, but, the blood of jesus is just cleansing you as 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 you walk with the lord you fellowship with him and you obey the lord that is an amazing an amazing blessing right there but the, these old testament people god had to give them instructions for what to do if they sin unintentionally again jesus christ had not come in the flesh to die for their sins They were not indwelt with the Holy Spirit. So God was dealing with them differently. Okay, so we are in a better covenant. Glory to God. Okay, verses 27 uh, through 29. Again, uh, still talking about unintentional sin and how the priest has to make atonement for that. I have already explained that so you can read those verses. Let's come to verse 30. Verse 30 and 31 are talking about those who sin intentionally, a willful, defiant action against God. Uh, again, these are the uh, sacrifices that such a person has to bring to the Lord. Again, showing God's willingness to accept a true heartfelt Ah, forgiveness from the person who transgressed against his laws. God is still the same today. When you sin intentionally against the Lord, which would be unfortunate, God is still willing and open for you to come to him and ask for forgiveness. And in the blood of Jesus, he would forgive you and restore You back into fellowship. So, verse 30 says, so uh, verses 30 and 31, the Lord is just uh, telling the Israelites that anyone who willfully disobey his laws, that person has to be cut off from the fellowship, from the community. And they will uh, bear the uh, burden of their own sins. So you can read those verses on your own. And that principle really is still applicable today. If like I was just saying, if you sin against the Lord willfully and you do not repent. You intentionally sin against the Lord and you do not repent. You will carry the burden of that sin in your soul. And you just allow your enemy to attack you. So... Uh, when you have sinned against the Lord intentionally, I hope you don't do that. But you know what? We are fallen human beings. People make stupid mistakes. And honestly, you could be hearing sin, 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 and you're thinking it's something like murder, adultery. No, it's as simple as really unforgiveness, (laughs) idol worship, Okay, resentment, gossiping. Okay, things like that. Just repent and just allow the blood of Jesus to to cleanse you and restore you back into fellowship. But if you don't, you would be cut off from fellowship from the Lord and then you will carry the burden of that sin on your own. So don't do that. So sin is sin in God's eyes. Okay, it is not just the murder or adultery. Sin also includes not walking in love towards others and all of the ungodly emotions of jealousy, anger, rage, etc., etc. Number one, really, just every day just trust God to, to strengthen you and have the Holy Spirit help you to walk a life worthy of a follower of Christ and do not practice sin because that will kill you before your time. For the Bible is clear that the wages of sin is death. Okay, so let's take a look at, these are some interesting verses. Verses 32 all the way to 35. Boy, it tells us about how a Sabbath breaker was put to death. Somebody who intentionally refused to obey the Lord's commandments went out on a sabbath day to work when the entire assembly was at rest and this man was caught and moses had to seek god's advice for what to do with this man and the lord pronounced the punishment to stone him to kill him okay so that everyone can see and and know that he means business. Let's take a look at some of these verses. Verse 32, while the Israelites were in the wilderness, a man was found gathering wood on the Sabbath day. Mm -hmm. Those who found him brought him to Moses and Aaron and they reported him and they kept him in custody because it was not clear what should be done to him. So Moses, this man was brought to Moses. Moses kept him in custody to seek the will of the lord i really appreciate this verse 35 the lord said to moses the man must die you see this is this had to be done because number one we don't really know this man's motives we know he vehemently transgressed god's law he refused to obey and number two who knows maybe he was out there taking advantage of the fact that the entire community was observing the sabbath so he went out there maybe he was stealing and taking advantage of other people so the lord had to set an example that everyone should see that if you do not obey my decrees you will be put to death too it may sound like a harsh punishment but god is just god is fair god is very consistent so god had to set an example here for others to follow so again, just just thinking about the New Testament moving forward, this explains why the Jews were very irate at Jesus when he healed a man on the Sabbath day. They were so mad that he is going against God's decrees because he is walking on the Sabbath day. I mean, they were so mad at Jesus, they were going to kill him. This is where all of, all of um, those laws came from. But of course, we know that when... Uh, Jesus came in the flesh during the uh, New Testament era. He came to fulfill all of these laws. So, of course, he was doing the will of the Father on Sabbath day. So that is a whole different uh, covenant. So, yes, on Sabbath day, we can go to work. We can um, still go uh, care for the sick. We can still uh, do all of those things because we have liberty and freedom in Christ. Like I said earlier, even though the Sabbath is good for us because uh, it helps our body physically, mentally, and spiritually, it's a good habit, but Jesus Christ is our Sabbath because he is where we find our rest. And uh, God is not going to strike us dead when we go to work on a Sabbath. No, Jesus Christ has fulfilled that. Okay, uh, the last few verses in this chapter, verses 37, all the way to 41. This is powerful because here the Lord would give an ordinance for the um, Jews to have tassels on their garment as a reminder of his teachings. Powerful. Let's go um, over some verses here. Verse 37, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, Throughout the generations to come, you are to make tassels on the corners of your garment with a blue cord on each tassel. Verse 39, you will have these tassels to look at and so you will remember all the commands of the Lord. And you may obey them and not prostitute yourself by chasing after the lust of your own hearts and eyes. Verse 40, then you will remember to obey all my commands and will be uh, consecrated to your God. Verse 41, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. There is a powerful principle here. What the Lord is doing is teaching these people that when you focus on my commandments, when you focus on my decrees, that would prevent you from focusing on your lust, uh, your lustful desires, That would prevent you from strain, okay, into the world. That would prevent you from running after idols. If you just have my word engraved, okay, on the tassels, on the garments, and you look at it all the time, it will remind you. It will keep you focused. It will keep you centered. And as you dwell in my presence, as you focus, in the word, on the tassel, on the garments that would prevent you from delving into worldly things that will enable you to overcome lustful desires. Boy, this is so true, powerful. This is so applicable today. In today's era, you do not have to Write the Word of God on your clothing, but you can carry it with you on a 4x4 card. We have audio Bibles. This podcast is in an uh, audio format. As you just listen to the Word of God all the time, it nourishes your soul. It, it just enables your soul to be Made alive with the reality of God's word. And even if you don't have an audio podcast, even if you carry 4 by 4 cards with you, each time a lustful desire, each time an ungodly thought, each time fear or worry comes at you, you pull out the word of God on a 4 by 4 card as your lifeline. You read it aloud. Boy, the word of God will nourish your soul. It will come against fear. It will come against doubt. It will come against all kind of ungodly emotions. And as you stay focused on the word of God, just by doing that, you would be transforming your soul to be in alignment with the word of God and your thinking patterns would be changed effortlessly and you would view yourself, you would view your circumstances, you would view life as God sees you. And as you do that, you would see automatic changes in your life. You would see God's blessings, God's provision just just chasing you effortlessly. This is what the Lord is saying. The Lord told the Israelites to take his word, put it on the tassel, on their garments, so they can look at it all the time. The same thing we can do today, like I have been explaining. Powerful way to change the way you think. Like Romans 12 uh, teaches us that we should not be conformed to the patterns of this world meaning that we should not think like unbelievers do, but we should be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That uh, word there in, in Greek is like a metamorphosis. It's a process where you change 180 degrees from the inside out. And how do you do that? You take the word of God, you dwell on it, you focus on it, you run to it all the time as you do that. Believe it or not, you are making significant changes in your soul. The Word of God is taking root in your soul and your thinking would be changing automatically. Okay? That is what this is teaching us. That is the same principle. To stay focused on the Word of God. That is the only way you will see godly results. If you want godly results... Do what God says. So that is what he was teaching the Israelites there. And that is 100% applicable to us today. Which is why I am so glad you are listening to this podcast. Because that is what you are doing. As you are hearing the word of God, it is changing the way you think. A lot of change is taking place in your soul. You may not perceive it, but change is taking place. And you would get up one day, a few months later. And realize that you are changing on the inside. That is the Word of God changing you slowly but surely. So please focus on the Word of God if you want godly results. Okay, so that brings us to the end of that uh, chapter. So let's come to uh, Numbers chapter 16. This is a very interesting chapter. Because the gist of this chapter is that we will learn... How uh, Korah, son of Isha, who was a Levite, became jealous of Moses and Aaron and he uh, formed a gang to revolt against Moses' leadership. So, and we will learn how the Lord will bring a final judgment. So let's take a look at some verses here. Korah, son of uh, Esha, the son of Koba, the son of Levi, and certain Reubenites, okay, you can read those names, uh, rose against Moses. Uh, with them were two fifty Israelite men, well-known community leaders, who had been appointed members of the council. This is a shame, because we see how Korah, who was a Levite, who had been given a prestigious position, as as uh, the ones called out by God to serve at the tabernacle, he rallied with two hundred fifty other people, some of them leaders, to rebel against Moses. They came as a group to oppose Moses and Aaron and said to them, "You have gone too far." <laughs> oh my goodness! No matter how hard we try as leaders, they, there are always other leaders. There are always other people who are so suspicious, but we're going to learn how God will would deal with them. The whole community is holy. Every one of them and the Lord is with them. Why then do you set yourself above the Lord's assembly? Number 1, this wasn't true. Moses, remember, was a very humble man. He was not elevating himself. This is the perception that Korah had because of his jealousy. You see, he used a partial truth, but he just exaggerated on that partial truth to justify why he should attack Moses. And what is the partial truth here? He said, the whole community is holy. That was partially truthful, okay? Because remember, the Lord had been setting the community Apart as holy, so they could reflect his holiness to other nations. So that was a partial truth. Every one of them and the Lord is with them. That was also a partial truth. The Lord was with them. Okay, we talked about that. He was with them during the day by cloud and at night uh, with the fire. That was true. But he used this partial truth to exaggerate and to form a gang against Moses. Likewise, people... You cannot take part of God's truth to use it to rebel against somebody. That is what we are learning right here because God is not going to be pleased. Okay? You cannot do that. There are people today who will tell you that, yeah, God loves me. God loves all of us. That is true. And they will say, well, God loves all of us. So it's okay if I'm a homosexual. It's okay if I'm having sex outside of marriage because God loves all of us. And what are you gonna do as a pastor? You cannot tell me that that is not true, because Jesus is love. You see, that is a lie. That is heresy. You cannot take partial truth and and defend yourself or use partial truth to attack somebody. It's true. God loves you. God loves everybody, but God would never, never condone sin, okay? Verse 4, when Moses heard this, he fell face down. (laughs) Poor Moses. Oh my God, Moses was feeling very bad. Then he said to Korah and all his followers, in the morning, the Lord will show who belongs to him and who is holy, and he will have that person come near him. I really like the way Moses was approaching this. Moses was like, okay, Let's let the Lord decide. I am not going to speak for myself. I will let the Lord fight this battle for me. In the morning, let's come before the Lord and let's hear what the Lord would say and let the Lord decide if me, Moses, I'm a true servant of the Lord. You see, part of that too or part of that jealousy from Korah is that you have to remember, they came from the land of Egypt. They had seen how the Egyptian priests were very powerful prestigious. They truly had control over the followers. So Korah, at least many Bible scholars believe that Korah did not quite appreciate Moses' service or Moses' calling as a true servant of the Lord. He suspected Moses, that Moses' intention were just like the priest in Egypt, i.e. he thought Moses wanted to manipulate the people. Moses was exerting too much control over the people. Moses uh, was not all that. So he truly was seeking for uh, more privilege. And he was, I'm talking about Korah now. Korah was seeking for more privilege. He was not satisfied being a Levite. Working at the tabernacle. So his jealousy for Moses, his suspicions for Moses' calling, all led to this revolt. Very sad. And Moses was a true servant of the Lord, very humble, working for the Lord with the right intentions. Okay? Korah, like most leaders, or some leaders rather, was not content with his calling. So he was looking at Moses' calling and getting jealous. Please! Don't you ever look at what God is doing in somebody else's life and be jealous. Jealousy is a sin against God. You have no clue what people go through to work for the Lord. So don't look at the blessings of somebody else's and be envious. Look at what Moses had to go through with the children of Israel. Many people would not want to be in his shoes. Yet you have Somebody like Cora, who was jealous of him for the wrong reason. So we really have to evaluate our, our emotions. Because if you allow jealousy to go unchecked, if you are experiencing thoughts of jealousy towards somebody and you don't stop that, it will destroy you. Okay? All right. So the rest of these verses, uh, you can read that on your own. The, um, the Lord gave uh, Moses, actually, you know what, let's take a look at this. Let's come to verse 6. You, Korah, and all your followers are to do this. Take our uh, census and tomorrow put burning coals and incense in them before the Lord. The man the Lord chooses will be the one who is holy. You Levites have gone too far. Okay, so Moses is saying that, okay, let's let the Lord decide on this thing. Ah, verse 8, Moses said to Korah, Now, uh, isn't it enough for you that the God of Israel has separated you from the rest of the Israelite community and brought you near himself to do the work? So essentially, these verses, Moses is telling Korah, listen, isn't it enough? Aren't you content that God has blessed you, given you a very privileged job to work at the tabernacle? Can't you be content? Just like God is telling us today. Aren't we content with what he has blessed us with? Why are we looking at somebody else's blessings? We have to learn to be content. Okay? So um, so that uh, that is what those verses are saying. You can read those on your own. Let's come to verse 12. Then Moses summoned uh, uh, Dathan and Abiram and the sons of Eliab. Uh, But they said, we will not come. So um, Datham and Abiram were part of the people who were teamed up with Korah to come against Moses. So Moses had uh, spoken to them so they can come before the Lord. And they said they will, they would not come. Uh, they refused to come. Uh, come to verse fifteen. Then Moses became very angry and said to the Lord, "Do not accept their offering. I have not taken so much as a donkey from them, nor have I wronged any of them." So we see how Moses is very upset, and went to the Lord and uh, said um, to the Lord that. These people have done him wrong that the Lord should not accept their sacrifices until they become remorseful. Okay. And that is very, very appropriate. If somebody does you wrong and they are not willing to repent, God, you don't even have to pray like Moses. God just will not honor them until they repent. That is a principle there. Okay. Then uh, in verse uh, 16 we see how Moses is uh, telling uh, Korah and all his followers to be ready that uh, tomorrow they will appear before the Lord and they should bring the uh, 250 censers and present them before the Lord. So all those verses are just telling us how Moses went on to give them those instructions. You can read those on your own. We come now to verse uh, 20. Uh, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, separate yourselves from this assembly so I can put an end to them at once. So we so far we see how these people who rioted against Moses are coming in front of the Lord. The Lord had verbalized how he would deal with this uh, rebellious act. And um, if you come down to verse uh, 23, The Lord said to Moses, Say to the assembly, move away from the tents of Korah, Dathem, and Abiram. So the Lord gave instructions to Moses to tell all of the Israelite community that everyone should stay away from the the tents of these three people. Because what the Lord is going to do, the Lord is going to bring final judgment on these three people and their families. So this is how seriously God takes jealousy. You can read those verses there on your own. Come to verse 28. Then Moses said, This is how you will know that the Lord has sent me to do all these things and that it was not my idea. So Moses actually prophesied a final judgment on this uh, rebellious gang of people. And in verse 29, Moses said, If these men die a natural death and suffer the fate of of all mankind then the Lord has not sent me. This was bold. Moses really had the revelation from God to say this and Moses was going to really have the Lord separate or have the Lord truly show the community that he is a true servant of the Lord with no malicious intention. So Moses is saying that if I am not a true servant of the Lord, this is what's going to happen. Verse 30, but if the Lord brings about something totally new and the earth opens its mouth and swallows them with everything that belongs to them and they go down alive into the realm of the dead, then you will know that these men have treated the Lord with contempt. I like the way Moses said. Moses is saying that if God does not... Do something new, then I am not a true servant of the Lord. But if God brings about something new, okay, and punish these men with a new way and swallow them alive, you will really know that I am a man of God and that these gangsters have come against God. I like like the way Moses says they've come against God because each time you come against a godly leader, who is truly, honestly, genuinely proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, truthfully doing the work of God, you are not attacking that leader, but you are attacking God. That is what this is truly telling us. And a lot of times people are very, um, people are unaware that when we as ministers, when we lead people, when we teach and we proclaim the word of God, when we truthfully speak God's truths, it would people would behave in different ways. Two major ways that people would uh, behave: number one, people who are truly opened, people who are truly obedient, they would receive it, and they would be thankful. The Holy Spirit would use that to bring change in their lives. The second group of people are those who are defiant against the Lord. They do not want to hear the truth. When you speak the truths of God, it would stir their hearts. It would prick their souls. They would be convicted because of their sinful lifestyles. And many people don't know that that conviction is not from the leader, but that is the Holy Spirit. You see what I'm saying? So today we have people who would attack a pastor, who would attack a leader. Mm -hmm. who would attack a man or a woman of God because he or she is speaking the truths of God. They fail to understand that you are truly attacking the word of God and not that person. And that is not pleasing to God. God takes that seriously. So that is what Moses is saying here. That is 250 men are actually attacking God and not him because he's a truthful leader. So next time when you are feeling a sense of dissatisfaction, a sense of anger about what a leader is saying i.e. a christian leader a pastor minister priest instead of revolting instead of sending angry letters to the to the pastor or minister stop and evaluate why are you feeling that way is it because of something he or she said that makes you angry if you are honest and if that is the case then take it to god because that leader, pastor, minister, or priest is just a vessel that is speaking God's truths, and you are really angry at God and not him. So be careful because it is God that you are fighting against and you will never, never win. You might as well repent and go to God. That is what Korah and his gang should have done, but they took it too far and God would teach them a harsh lesson. All right, now, let's come to verse 31. Verse uh, 31 uh, all the way to 34 talks about how as soon as he finished saying all these meaning, Moses, the ground under them split apart and the earth opened his mouth and swallowed them. Essentially, this Korah and, and his gang, went down alive. They were buried alive. They died alive in front of everybody. (laughs) When this happened, God really did this in front of everybody, really just to reiterate that Moses is my chosen humble servant. When you come against him, you come against me. That is why God did this openly. Verse 34, after the Israelite community had seen that, they became very fearful at their Christ, all the Israelites around them fled shouting, The earth is going to swallow us too. Because you see, the household of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram went down alive. They all died. And fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were offering the incense. So the 250 men who had followed uh, the uh, three leaders... Uh, Korah, Datham, and Abiram also were burnt. They became ashes. Uh, But uh, Korah, Datham, and and Abiram, their household were swallowed up by the earth. They went to their grave alive. And uh, like I said, uh, their followers were essentially burnt. They became ashes. Uh, You can read those verses there. Uh, on your own, uh, those verses just explain what I had just, uh, described. Uh, we come now to verse 41. The next day, the whole Israelite community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. You have killed the Lord's people. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, verse, uh, 42, uh, When the assembly gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron and turned towards the tent of meeting, suddenly the cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord appeared. Uh, Then Moses and Aaron went to the front of the tent of meeting and the Lord said to Moses, Get away from this assembly so I can put an end to them at once. And they fell face down. So what's happening here is that after the three main leaders, Korah, detha and Abiram, uh, and their families were uh, swallowed alive, uh, they went into their graves alive, and their followers, the 250 men, were burnt and they became ashes, the entire Israelite community were afraid, and they turned against Moses and Aaron, and they were grumbling, and that got the Lord very upset, just because the assembly did not still recognize the offense that these 250 followers, in addition to Korah, Datham, and Abiram had done. They were actually mad at Moses and Aaron, but this was a righteous judgment from God. So God got God very upset and was going to strike them dead. So uh, what the rest of those verses are teaching us, verses 46 all the way to the end of this chapter, which is verse 49, is saying that uh, Moses told Aaron to uh, quickly uh, make an atonement for the community sin, so that, Uh, God's wrath would not come against the entire community and kill everybody. And Aaron hurriedly uh, uh, went and made uh, an atonement for their sins. But even by the time Aaron had made the atonement, many of them had died. And we are told that in verse 49, but uh, 14,700 people died from the plague in addition to those who died because of Korah. Verse 50, then Aaron returned to Moses at the entrance to the tent of meeting, for the plague had stopped. So that brings us to the end of this um, chapter. So we've really learned how God takes it seriously when we inappropriately come against his leaders, his uh, ministers, his pastors, his, his priests, he takes it really seriously. And, and what we can really learn from this uh, from these verses, like I had already explained, we should really evaluate that when we are stirred, when we are convicted from a teaching or from teachings from godly leaders, it's not really those leaders. It's just our lifestyles that the Holy Spirit is convicting us so we can repent. And it's a good thing. So don't take it personally against the leaders because God displaces that. So you really have to evaluate why you are angry when the word of God is proclaimed. If there is sin in your life, you need to confess it because that conviction is a good thing. It means that the Holy Spirit is still in you, walking in you and wanting for you to repent. Because especially if you are a Christian already, the Bible teaches us that, God will chastise us when we are in the wrong. He would convict us so we can repent because he loves us. We are told this out of the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 6 through 7. Because he has to discipline us. Okay, so that brings um, me to the end of chapter 16. So uh, the major principles out of chapters 15 and 16. Number one. God takes all types of sins seriously, uh, intentionally and unintentionally. We have to uh, confess before fellowship can be restored with him. And the second uh, major principle is that uh, having the word of God at the tips of your finger is the only antidote that we have to come against distractions, to come against uh, ungodly thoughts uh, to come against uh, demonic attacks in our minds. And God wants us to always keep his word afresh in our souls. And the third principle is that of jealousy and uh, disobedience. Again, I talked about the jealousy from Korah, Dathim, and Abiram, and the 250 uh, followers who had a severe and final punishment from the lord the lord takes it seriously when you attack a a minister a pastor or a priest who is truthfully preaching the word of god you are truly attacking god and god takes that seriously so what uh, is the major application here i I had already emphasized that we truly have to uh, take sin seriously And even though uh, we have the blood of Jesus Christ, which continuously cleanses us daily as we walk with the Lord in obedience, we should really be aware of our surroundings that um, God always uh, wants us to, to share his word with others. We don't have to always give the poor money. We don't always have to give the poor food. A word of encouragement, a word of hope is good to encourage people's soul because what people really need today is the love of Jesus Christ and the assurance of their existence is not money. Money is only secondary. So uh, we do not have to offer sacrifices for unintentional and intentional sins today, but uh, through the blood of Jesus Christ, we have been cleansed. And through the enabling of the Holy Spirit, uh, we can avoid sin. We should not practice sin. And when we sin unintentionally, uh, sin of omission, we have the hope that the blood of Jesus cleanses us, purifies us as we obey him and stay steadfast uh, to him and practice his uh, decrees as expressed in the Bible. And jealousy is never acceptable by the Lord. uh, You have to evaluate when you are experiencing ungodly emotions of jealousy and also when you are being convicted by the word of God do not take it against the minister. You have to really take it as an opportunity that the Holy Spirit is there to chastise you to correct you to discipline you so that you can willingly repent and that fellowship can be restored with the lord it is a good thing so before you write that letter to the minister or to the pastor and and argue about his teachings you have to pause and evaluate why you feel that way and take it to god first because if you did that i guarantee you if you're honest the holy spirit will reveal to you an area in your life that you are walking in disobedience and that would bring confession and restoration. So I hope you receive that in Jesus' name. Father God, we just thank you today for these lessons we have learned from these two chapters. Teach us, Holy Spirit, how to truthfully evaluate when you are truthfully convicting us. Teach us to humble ourselves so we can ask for repentance so that fellowship can be restored. We just thank you, Lord, for your blood that continuously cleanses us. Strengthen us through your Holy Spirit so we can walk in obedience in accordance with your decrees as expressed in the word. We believe by faith that we have been cleansed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Teach us how to stay steadfast as we abide in his teachings we thank you for this prayer is answered and we receive it by faith in jesus name we say amen friend have you been blessed today i'm trusting the lord that he has spoken to your heart and you've been blessed by the teachings friend if that is the case please let us know how these uh, teachings are blessing you and i share this with friends and family members And also remember to bless us back with a financial donation so we can produce more uh, shows like this to bless many other people. And we have a very safe and secure website where you can uh, make your donations right there. You can donate into this ministry anywhere in the world. All you need is an internet access. And here is our, our website address where you can make a very safe and secure donation. It is DrRuthTanyi.org slash donate. Again, DrRuthTanyi.org slash donate. And you can also use uh, Zelle if you live here in the USA and the Zelle telephone number for donations. Uh, here is a number, 909-501-9031. 9031 Again that is 9095019031. We also accept donations through Cash App. Here is the Cash App address is the dollar sign Dr. Ruth Tani. Again the dollar sign Dr. Ruth Tani. Friend, we thank you in advance for your donations to help support this ministry. And we trust God that whatever you give into his work, he will bless you back abundantly, exceedingly, and together we are advancing God's work and transforming lives. Doesn't that feel good? That is the will of God for all of us, to advance his work. So thank you for supporting this ministry that way we can, together, advance God's work. We thank you and may you enjoy a blessed day today and I pray for the power of God to saturate you right now. In Jesus' name, amen.